welcome everybody in the next episode of Me Wellbeing Podcast. My next guest is Monique Mulligan from Australia. She's an author and we met uh, on LinkedIn and connected there and it was amazing and we keep in touch since and finally we got to speak to each other as well. So I'm very excited and happy to welcome her here. Hi Monique. Hi Erica, how are you? Yeah, all good. I'm very excited and happy to have you here. So thank you. Thank and you. it's just so great to finally see you and talk face to face, even if it's on the internet, but still. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's amazing. So please, can you introduce yourself, what you're doing, where you live, what you want people to know about you? Okay, well, I'm Monique Mulligan and I live in Perth in Western Australia where it is, well, it's autumn now and the weather is starting to cool and that's, you know, that's that's great. It's a little bit more relaxing for me. Um, so I'm an author, as Erica said, and I've written two novels. One's called Wherever You Go and one's called Wildflower and they're both coming out again later this year through Bloodhound Books which is based in the UK and I also work in marketing and work for an arts centre and do marketing for lots of performances and shows and events. Oh that's amazing and I'm so yeah. happy that your books are coming out again. I read both of them and yeah. they are amazing and the topics are not easy ones I would no. say. So where where do you get the idea or have you got inspiration to write these? Well, yeah, they're both really different books, aren't they? Um, yeah. The first one, Where You Go, which is, so that will come out again in October this year. And that one is about grief and loss and, and what happens to a relationship when when they, you know, a married couple loses somebody, a child basically, yeah. who is, you know, the centre of their world. And and it asks that question, like, what would you do if that happened in your relationship and would your relationship survive that kind of, you know, shattering event, um, that that tragedy? So the, the story, the inspiration from that one came from a terrible accident that happened to a West Australian family and it happened in Denmark. And I, you know, had seen that this had happened and at the time just wanted to grab my children and hold them close. And so that was very much based on, on that real life situation initially, but it was also based on my love of cooking and my desire to go traveling. And, and I had four teenagers at home and I couldn't travel. So all of that went into that story. And then Wildflower, which is very, very different, it's about a, a young girl who desperately wants a best friend. And when she meets this best friend, the best friend has a situation happening at home that really worries Jane, the, the main character. And she realises that domestic violence is going on in this house next door. Although back in the 1970s, when the book is set, no one really called it that. It was just a domestic, it was no one's business and people kind of knew what was going on but didn't do anything about it. So this story explores that 
kind of attitude and has a look at how far it's come and has it gone far enough yeah yeah like that's a good question actually because I think there are still there is still not enough talk about it mm. but I mm. experience and see because it's you can see the physical signs of an abuse but you can't see the emotional damage what sometimes yeah, exactly. causes exactly. and sometimes there is no physical abuse there is emotional or well verbal so emotional that's right yeah, yeah. So it's yeah. really hard to hard to see, and people are yeah. not talking about it enough. So I think right. White Flower is like a really good book to shine a light on on this topic. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I, I really wanted to. I think it's important that we we have these conversations, and they're they're hard conversations sometimes. But you know. I, I think we can be so judgmental of, of people when we don't know what they're going through and we ask questions like why did they stay and why did they just leave but we don't know the intricacies the, the complexities of these relationships and it's never that simple yeah exactly I've I was in a toxic relationship where my ex was a narcissist and manipulative and mm. I I knew that the best thing would be to leave but I just couldn't I was like paralyzed and we kind of broken up but then after we got back together and then finally he moved uh, out and that's when it started to shift for me but it was still really bad and I realized that I don't know who I am anymore and what I want mm -hmm. so I'm like I kind of need help to to move on and yeah it was like people said like oh leave him he's not right for you but it wasn't that easy mm -hmm. even yeah. though I, it wasn't, yeah it wasn't that mm -hmm. kind of abuse but it was still really hard because I wasn't mm -hmm. aware of many things about myself so mm -hmm. where am I now I would be more confident to just kick him out <laughs> so mm -hmm. yeah it's not it's never yeah. easy it really undermines like those kind of relationships really undermine the confidence um, and, and the strength that you have in yourself to make decisions. And it's afterwards, you know, you, you're obviously going through such a, um, a growth period and, you know, you can use this now to help other people, which is wonderful. Yeah, exactly. I really feel that I, I just improved and grew so much and learned so much about myself. And it was like a catalyst for that journey for me. So it was mm -hmm. a really big turning point. And um, I went to therapy and in few sessions, we kind of dealt with this stuff and we went to another thing, what was like a really big for me. And that was the, a loss of my brother, like in 2008. So that like almost mm. 10 years passed and I didn't know that it's still in there and I didn't mm. let him go. So like being yeah. in therapy just opened so many things and and just helped me a lot. And then coaching mm. as well, when I figured that I want to do that. Uh, yeah. It's just, I think it's an amazing thing to have uh, in our lives, like coaching and therapy and all these um mm. yeah methods that can help us yeah. to discover who we are basically it gives people that permission to to do that as well and can can slowly give them that confidence yeah, yeah.
And it's not easy to trust a stranger, but sometimes I feel that it's mm. better to talk to a stranger about things because they are not, especially when they are professionals, like they, they mm. are not judgmental. They give you the space and the time. Yeah. So it's just amazing to have that. Haven't you ever like had those conversations with just complete strangers and you, you think afterwards, you think, oh my goodness, that went so deep. And yeah you know, you would never have said that to somebody you knew, but it's almost like there is that safety in that sometimes. Yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. So, yeah, like Wildflower went into this topic and wherever you go is, a, as you said, about loss, but I like, you can see in both of them that growth as well. Um mm for the characters and that they can figure things out and that everything is kind of possible even though you go through bad experiences and sad uh, experiences yeah yeah that's right yeah I wanted to to really explore that um I suppose that growth but from both points of view so from the the husband and the wife's point of view because it it didn't feel so one-sided then mm, yeah yeah and I really liked in the wherever you go as you described all the cooking and the mm. environment yeah. and the nature it was just like I felt like in there so I love yeah. I love that yeah. kind of book when you just feel that you read the pages and you're like oh my god I close my eyes and I'm I'm there and I can smell the food, the food and taste—it's <laughs> yeah. just amazing. And um, did you learn to write like that, or it's just coming naturally? Um, I was a journalist before, mm -hmm. um, so I had to write much more, I suppose, objectively and factually when I was writing articles for newspapers, and I always wanted to write more creatively and writing about food actually came really easily for me because you know it's something that I love I love to eat I love to cook for people I like to um, cook themed dinners and things like that it's just I know I'll have the music so what you know some of the things that are in that novel yeah. about the the music matching the the food you know the country the food was from and I would do this at home with my family and my kids would have to put up with with you know Italian music or Bollywood or something like that oh, so, cool. so it was because I was so passionate about it it was quite easy for me to write those particular scenes mm -hmm. um and even though writing the setting I found I could write the setting but I'm also have to worry about like being too much of a perfectionist about it you know so sit there for ages and try to get the right word to do it so it's lovely to hear that you felt felt so immersed and you know like you belonged there because I worked really hard yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah amazing yeah. and you always knew that you want to be an author like when you were a little girl was it your dream to write books and novels yeah I, I think so I mean I, I did want to I always read books all the time and loved to to just sit and read and I always said one day I would write a book and 
I kept putting it off and there were multiple reasons for that. It was, you know, life was so busy and I had four, four children at home and, you know, blending a family, it's it's hard and also holding down a full-time job. Yeah. And, you know, so I, I kept saying one day I will be, I'll be a writer of the thing I, the things I want to write. And I was also reviewing people's books and then it started to change in me, I suppose. I was reading other people's books all the time and writing lovely things about their books. And I thought, I want this to be me one day. (laughs) And eventually I started to take those steps to make it actually happen. So it meant I had to give myself permission to write. Mm -hmm. And that was hard because I came from that sort of, you know, I was raised to to think that work comes first and play comes later and that you if you take time for yourself to do something like that, which is quite, you know, it's quite consuming writing a book, then that's selfish. Mm. And so I had a lot of things there to kind of overcome, like the the perfectionism for a start, because that is still something I struggle with. Um, and then making time and giving myself permission to to write and to explore that creative side of me that you know really wanted to be explored but then also overcoming self-doubt so there's kind of a lot you know you say you want to write a book but for me it was overcoming lots of personal challenges to do that and I I think that's normal for, for most writers yeah I think there are like even for me as well, I know what I really want to do, but there are these challenges as well. And like mm-hmm. limiting beliefs that I have to like deal with. Um, mm-hmm. And you mentioned self-doubt as well. And yeah. I know you did a workshop on self-doubt, if yeah. I remember right. Yeah. And yeah. how did the idea came? Well, self-doubt is something that, you know, I think most most of us, suffer from at some point over whatever it is that is really, really important to us. And there's also imposter syndrome and, and, you know, comparisonitis and all of these things that can go hand in hand with that. Um, And, and I always had that little, that little voice that was just saying, you know, you're not good enough or you won't be good enough to be, um, to, to publish a book or you won't, you know, just, just things that you say to yourself that are so damaging it really holds you back and so eventually I decided to run a workshop and that came about because I had a really bad time with self-doubt after it was probably a rejection for the book that I was wherever you go in mm-hmm. the earlier stages and I ended up drawing a monster on a piece of paper and it looks a bit like an octopus Mm-hmm. And it's got all these arms and tentacles reaching out everywhere and there are things like knives in there and, you know, that slash you and, mm-hmm. um, and suckers that, you know, stick onto you. And, and it, was, it was me kind of labelling that self-doubt and saying, okay, it's just a little monster that sits here. Mm-hmm. And then did you ever watch the show or the movie Mean Girls? Uh, no, I just heard about it. Okay, so Mean Girls is quite an iconic movie and it's um, there, there's a character in there who's quite bitchy and her name's Regina. And one day I just called myself out Regina. Mm-hmm. So now whenever, you know, I'm sort of getting a bit, 
funny about like, oh, I can't do it or I'm not very good at this or nobody's going to like it and all these things you say. I'll just say, shut up, Regina. Okay. <laughs> and tell her to go away. And so all of these kind of, I use this experience of my own self-doubt to mm-hmm. run a workshop for children. And that went really well. It was, it, it was actually one of those things that just makes you cry at the time because oh, like with happiness, yeah. because these, these kids were really engaging with this idea of, of self-doubt and sharing stories. These, these kids are eight, nine, 10 years old mm-hmm. and saying what they really thought of themselves. And it wasn't always very good what they thought of themselves, you know? So I wanted to give them some tools to maybe look at things a bit differently. Mm. And then that became a, a workshop for adults. And so I've run that for writers a couple of times. And the funny thing is, every time I run this workshop on overcoming self-doubt, I have incredible self-doubt before I run the workshop. Wow. <laughs> That's you know, it's ironic, isn't it? No. Yeah. yeah. I think, oh, who am I to talk about this? Or, you know, what have I got to offer that they haven't already heard? Or, you know, and yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, like interesting to hear that that you still do it and you still have that in yeah. you. So, did you think about it? Where is it coming from? Still, oh, look, I think it comes from lots of places, really. Like it's mm. it's something obviously that I've that I've grown, you know, up with is is this thought somewhere along the line I've I've taken on this this thought that, you know, you're not good enough. And I work really hard to overcome that. And most of the time I'm okay. So even when I run those workshops, I'll just go, you know, get lost, Regina, yeah. and go in and run the workshop. And then everyone will say, hey, that was great. I really learned something from that. I think, see, Regina, you're stupid. You know, <laughs> so you know, yeah. I can so I can do that, but it doesn't change the fact that it sometimes comes up. It's just that I'm better yeah. at managing it now. Yeah. So where did it come from? I mean, childhood. Mm. It would have come from childhood in, in some ways, and that's not to say I had a terrible childhood. It just yeah. means we all pick up things and messages, um, whether it's at home or in the playground or, you know, at high school, all of these places shape us in, in ways. And you you take on a lot of negative rather than a lot of the positive um in australia if you are too full of yourself we call it you know you get that you get that knocked down they call it a tall poppy syndrome no one likes a tall poppy in australia (laughs) so you kind of learn to not toot your horn too loud Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. i think so um you know and then then just in life you you have setbacks you don't achieve things quite the way that you want to or other people are achieving things in ways that you want to and somehow that you know formulates into your own thinking about yourself um and it's not always helpful it's just you just gotta find ways to manage it Mm. so that you don't get completely crushed yeah Yeah. and but methods of, uh, or tools you find really helpful in that for you to overcome these obstacles or these thoughts 
one is Regina that you've created her and you definitely, can yeah herself. definitely one is Regina it's just and sometimes I'm a little bit ruder to her <laughs> <laughs> um you know it, it might be very firmly um you know told where to go um and the other ways that I might is I keep a portfolio of praise and the portfolio of praise is where I put things that people have written to me that are really nice things mm -hmm. so that when I'm feeling you know like maybe I'm not a very good writer after all or you know anything yeah, like that I can just go there and go hang on a minute that's not what the evidence shows you know? yeah and so I keep things like that um and I also um say things like you know, like I wrote a poem, a manifesto, and it was called You Are Enough or I Am Enough. And I, you know, had that displayed in my office and I could look at that any time and say, you know, I, I'm I'm not just that this one thing about me. I'm not just this one failure or this, you know, this yeah. book sale that didn't happen or anything. I'm so much more than that. And, and those are the things that I will try to do. And also like things like this, look, can you say that? Oh, you're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah see, I'm holding up a sign that says you are awesome and that's for you, Erica. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good to have these. Yeah, it's amazing. I think these help yeah. a lot if you put yeah. them somewhere and just see them or just pick it up from a pile and oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also I do, um, I've been doing morning pages, mm. which is from the, um, the Artist Way course. And so in the mornings, I have to, well, I choose to write three full scat pages of, you know, anything that is on my mind at that particular time. So all of my stresses and all of my fears and my self-doubt and all of that can go on that page if I want to put it there. And it's ideally meant to clear the clutter. Mm. So then I can focus on the creative part of me and the joy in life. And, you know, because I, I am a person who's very positive most of the time and I love looking for things that are joyful. So these morning pages are a way that I can just get rid of the rubbish and then be open to the beauty that's around. Mm, I love that. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's, you, just... you know, I struggled with it. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, it's not easy to, like, write in the morning, but I think it's a really good way to, like, start the day fresh afterwards. Mm. You put yeah. everything yeah. on the paper and then it's the yeah. is free. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, yeah I, I think it helps. It's, and it's not a diary. It's not, you're not meant to keep it. Mm -hmm. so you're not meant to read it back or anything like that and you don't show it to anybody so it's not the same as writing you know diary today I did this and today I did that yeah. it's really just like free association writing and just just whatever comes into your head it could be the cat is sitting on my bed and she really wants me to to get up but I need to finish this now mm -hmm. it's pretty boring or you might have this real light bulb moment where you just think Oh my goodness, I'm really putting myself down today. Mm. And that's not the way I want to start my day. You know, so it's things yeah. like that that can come out. Mm. Yeah. And then what are you doing with these um pages? You throw them away or you keep them somewhere or just Yeah, you you're meant to get rid of them. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, so they're all in, they're in a notebook and I have a couple of full notebooks and eventually I guess I'll just have to get rid of them because I'd hate for anyone to read them. Um, no, they're not, they're definitely not literature. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah but that it, it isn't meant to be that, that kind of thing. It really is just meant to be a way of decluttering your mind from worries and stresses. And for me, it didn't help straight away, but it's now become a part of my routine. Mm -hmm. And so I'm finding it's helping more and more to do that. Mm. And what do you think was the struggle at the beginning with it? So what you didn't believe it helps or you just didn't feel any shifts with it? I, well, at first it's just, I don't have time for this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm already doing, you know, exercising first thing in the morning and you know, getting things ready for my day before I go to work and things like that. So to write three pages as soon as I wake up, um, which takes about half an hour, mm -hmm. that either means waking up earlier or, you know, restructuring my morning. So that was the first hurdle was getting my mind to, to accept that I could make this work if I really wanted to and to just at least give it a go. And then the second thing was you kind of want there to be some shift straight away, but mm -hmm. there often is, you know, and you think, why am I doing this? What's the point of doing this? I could be doing something else with my morning, yeah. um, you know, reading before I go to work or something like that. Um, but, yeah, now that I've been doing it for quite a few months now, I'm finding that it's it's starting to to help and I'm seeing more value in it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like the mind resisting doing it because it's safe to have all these thoughts and it almost feels like a step out of the comfort zone. Yeah, sometimes. Like yeah, I think because I've never been very good at journaling and I know journaling can be a really effective technique for when you have self-doubt or when you have limiting beliefs and mm -hmm. things like that. It's a really good way. But I always found that I, and this is where the editor in me would come out, I would censor what I was writing mm -hmm. because I always imagined that someone else would be would maybe one day read mm -hmm. what I was writing. Mm -hmm. And not from a um, kind of precious way of thinking that they might do that, like I'm some amazing human that they definitely want to read my words. It's more just... Like, oh, my gosh, what if they read this? It needs to be good. It needs to be meaningful. Like, you know, whenever you read someone's diary, like Anne Frank or, or someone, yeah. you know, you think, oh, that's so insightful. That's, you know, that's so clever. And whenever I tried to journal, it would just be, oh, today I did this and today I did that and this person annoyed me and, you know, yeah. <laughs> not very exciting reading. And so I would self-censor before I even started and, that was another limiting thing for me to overcome was to not worry about how the sentences were structured and to not worry about the words that I was using just to write. And mm. that's, you know, because that's not how I write novels. I don't, I don't just spill out novels. I'm quite, you know, I'm really slow actually <laughs> writing novels. So 
yeah, I had to, you know, do something in a completely different way. So you're right to say it's out of the comfort zone for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as you said with your novels as well, that you like very slow. It, I, what I sense, it's like you are intentional with them. Yeah, I, I mean, I think so. I, 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 when I'm writing a novel, I, I want those, the, the words, I'm, I'm choosing them carefully. And I want what I write to be good. And it doesn't have to be award-winning, but I want it to connect with readers. And so there is a lot of intention in that. It's how is what I'm writing connecting with me, first of all, as the writer? Um, and then how is this going to connect with a reader? Do I need to rethink this? So there's a lot of thought that goes into it. And some people, when they write, they will just write a very quick first draft and they'll get all of the, um, I don't know, the story out in, you know, a couple of months, even sometimes weeks, you know, they'll just get this out so fast and then they go back and they rewrite and they rewrite until it's ready. I tend to make my first draft as good as I can and then go back and do it there. So that's why I'm slower. Um, and I've tried to change that and I, I can't seem to change that. So mm -hmm. I accept that's how I do it. Yeah, that's yeah, mm -hmm. that's your style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's no right way to do it. No, you have to find what works for you. In yeah, so many things in life, don't you? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I see on your Instagram as well that you do lots of different things and try lots of different mm -hmm. things. And I forgot the name of that kind of. Um. I would say it's art when you like have words and then drawing on it with the black. Oh yeah, yeah, the blackout poetry. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Can yeah. you tell about that a little bit? Because I really found it interesting. Yeah, you should try it. It's um. So I was asked to run a workshop on this, and I had no idea what it was. So I had an email that said, "Would you run a workshop on blackout poetry?" And I said, "Sure." And then I looked up what blackout poetry was. So, mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> And it's a way of, I suppose, repurposing mm -hmm. art. So you take a page from a book. So you might photocopy the page or you might have an old book or something. And then you get the, you sort of look at the words that are on there and you choose some words and then you try to, you know, black out the rest of the words that you don't need and you can be as, you can literally just black, get a black pen and, you know, colour it all out so that you just have those few words that might say, I am enough. Oh, wow. You know, you know it, that might be the only words that you choose. Mm -hmm. And or you, and then, of course, me wanting to be all artistic, I went for making pretty designs and things like that. But I really enjoyed doing it. And even after, like, as I was, Leading up to the workshop, I did this quite a lot and found it a good mindful technique mm -hmm. as well as um, a creative thing that gave me some joy, but a lot quicker than writing a novel does. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's like this little mini challenge you can do is what can I what can I make that's meaningful out of these words on this page? And I'm gonna choose, I don't know, 20 words that make sense when you read them all together and then I'll make it look pretty and that's my blackout poem mm. so wow yeah sounds amazing actually yeah. and it's almost like 
what message am I gonna get out of this page for example yeah yeah sometimes it's just for me like I, if I could reach them I actually think I've got some here no they're not they're not close by or I would show you but um yeah sometimes it's just a message it doesn't really mean anything to anybody else it's not something that needs to get published it's just yeah. something like I think it does come back to that whole mindfulness and, and it's even for me quite meditative because I'm just looking at these words and seeing what connects with me yeah um yeah so that's something I yeah really enjoy doing that mm, but it sounds really good and like for the mind as well just to like as you said it's almost like these mindfulness coloring books <laughs> but you yeah. have like words there for you yeah yeah I find mandalas drawing mandalas are really good as well so I don't tend to color um like I did try that years ago when it was all the latest thing was everybody had adult coloring books and, yeah. and that but I moved on very quickly to drawing mandalas mm. and just started to sit there and I found that was really good for mindfulness just to sit and concentrate on these little intricate details mm. and it was just a really meditative process for me and great for relaxing you know any anxieties I was having mm. amazing you have lots of tools in your toolbox <laughs> I do have a lot of tools yeah. now that I think about it <laughs> yeah and we touched yeah. uh based on some of them uh in this like 40 minutes conversation so yeah. I love that <laughs> yeah um I'm doing a research on authentic self right now because I really want to help other women to um live as their authentic mm -hmm. selves because what I see sometimes we forget who we are because we're too busy in our lives mm -hmm. and um just don't think about it um what do you think is that true or have you see it no, I, I agree. I think that life can often, you know, it's like it just puts a veil over who we are and we, we can't see we can't see ourselves sometimes because we're just too busy doing things and being busy for the sake of busy. And I'm really good at doing that, being very busy. And the last few months I have found it really hard to connect with my creative self and I think that's part of my authentic self mm. is is that I am a creative person and that I have got creative gifts to offer and even if they're just for myself yeah they're still a part of who I am and so I was feeling a real disconnect with that side of myself and there's lots of reasons for that but I wanted to rediscover mm who is Monique really who is Monique the creative person who is Monique the writer where is she gone and so I've been working on that and that's been partly through blogging on um I've got a Substack newsletter called La Muse mm -hmm. which is about me finding my muse again Ooh, wow. and looking for yeah being you know looking for the joy in creativity rather than the product Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah. um and then also doing the artist's way and just trying to really to to affirm that this is a real part of me and I'm feeling myself start to I suppose to, to find it again you know mm -hmm. I, I feel like she's coming back mm -hmm. that 
she's waking again you know it's like it's like I've been dormant for a while for you know COVID was a big reason and yeah. um I broke my thumb last year and we yeah, just you know I there's know. been lots and lots of things going on and I feel like you know Monique is coming back out again in the way that I'm supposed to be mm. that is yeah amazing and can I ask what uh, feelings or emotions came to you or have you felt when you felt like disconnected from that self? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think like there's this detachment that you feel like something's not right and you can't, you can't put your finger on what it is. You just don't feel like you're aligned with yourself and like you're living your purpose and you don't know how to find it. So there's frustration mm -hmm. um, and, and there's fear mm -hmm. that you might never find it. And there's also kind of fear that what if you do reconnect with your that authentic person that you are? And maybe it's not the same person that it was 10 years ago. What if people don't like this mm. new authentic, you know, who, who I am mm -hmm. when you strip away everything and all the perfectionism and all the, all, all the busyness and, and the, the mask that we, we present. Um, so I think there's, there's that fear as well and then there's discomfort because when you recognize that something's not right then you know that you have to do something mm. and you also know that changing is at any quest of rediscovering is painful it, mm. you know it has those moments of painful and so you know that that's there and so I think that contributes to you know the fear that you might have as well um, but I found that my need to reconnect with, with who I am has outstripped the fears. Mm. Yeah. Mm, that's amazing. And mm. how does it feel when you're aligned and when you're this authentic self, what emotions or what, uh, feelings can you describe it with? I think like the biggest thing would be just that feeling of joy when I'm actually doing something that I I feel like I should be doing like I'm I'm good at you know I I just feel this sense of this joy and this contentment mm -hmm. and this this peace that I've I've found it and sometimes it's really transitory you know it's it's like it's there for a little bit and then it's gone because reality intrudes and you know dinner has to be cooked or something else comes in um but when when I find that and when I give myself full permission to explore it I I just feel really peaceful and content mm. yeah. and excited excited as well yeah that sounds amazing I'm really looking into these like what feelings and emotions are behind both mm. like being in alignment and uh, out of alignment yeah. uh, with that self because I experienced it as well like twice one was that breakup and after mm -hmm. like I was working as a childminder for seven years and I loved the family and the kids and we have a good mm -hmm. relationship it is just the everyday routine itself and 
that yeah. I knew I want to do something else, especially when I started to do my coaching course as well and decided that I want to be a coach. Because mm. for me as well, like frustration, as you said as well, that like I just can't do this because I want to do that. And it was just yeah. really yeah. hard to take that step. And it took me months to get to the point where I said that, okay, I'm going to quit. Mm. Yeah, such a brave thing. Like, I'm so glad that you did make that choice, even though, like, it would have been really hard in some ways, you know, for so many reasons, but you did it. And that's that's a huge thing. Yeah, I'm really proud of myself to doing it because it's it's not easy. And, like, you know, I'm still just kind of starting the thing, but I feel the difference between doing what I love and mm. have uh, just having a job that pays my bills basically yeah, yeah. Um, and it just gives me so much joy because I can have conversations like this with you because yeah. I really like um I don't really have a structure in this podcast because I just want to be spontaneous and see where the conversation goes um and I was studying communication and media as well so I know like usually interview interviews has these like structures but I just I don't want to do it the same way yeah see I interview people for a program that I run at work and I have my set questions Mm. but I also think that it's much more meaningful when it's organic yeah so I think that's we do a similar thing there where you talk to each other and then you spin off on what that person has said and you might dig into it a little bit deeper and then the conversation might go somewhere completely different but it might be really valuable for both of you yeah yeah it's just amazing yeah and we mentioned and touched on art many times as well in the conversation and so it seems that it plays a big part in your life did Mm. you have that always in your life it it is I love art I I don't know if you can see behind me but I have got you know painting in in this room and photos that different um illustrators have given to me and things I've collected and on the wall behind there's more art and I just love it um and I used to dream of being an artist and I was told that it would that I wasn't good enough Mm. to be um, I was going to be a graphic artist. I thought that sounded like fun. And yeah, I was, I was told, you know, you, you won't be good enough. You should go be a teacher. Mm. And now um, I do graphic art at work, mm. you know, and it doesn't mean that I am, you know, a super um, amazing graphic artist, but I can do, I do it. And I actually get a lot of pleasure out of doing that because I like designing posters and flyers and things like that. Um, and you know, I know that I'm good enough at it yeah. for what I have to do. So it's funny how that came around, you know, from when I was 18 and being told you can't do this and then being my, my age now, which I won't say <laughs> on the podcast, um, being much older. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, I, I studied art at university as well and when I went to Paris a few years ago and I stood in front of one of the pictures uh, the paintings by Monet I just I just felt this spontaneous tears just you know arise and it was a strange thing like 
you know, it's a painting I've seen many times in books and here I was just about to burst into tears because oh, it was, okay. no, it just meant a lot. So it's just, I think, because it's beautiful and because it, it tells a story and that's what I love. Yeah, and it's amazing how we have these experiences with, like, places or, like, piece of art or just something mm. when you appreciate the beauty of it. And you're yeah, there yeah. and like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm here and I see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. You said that they told you that you're not good enough to being like mm. uh, good in graphics and now you're doing it. So it's like you busted this limiting, this limiting belief and yeah. you did it anyway. Was it yeah. hard for you? And like, did this limiting belief come up when you started to do this job um I mean sometimes sometimes when, when I was trying to learn photoshop mm. that was <laughs> that was one of those moments where you just think oh I can't do this this is just too hard you know um but I think that I do have a natural tendency towards design and so I I know I know how composition works and mm -hmm. so that side of things is quite easy for me and so it's just about knowing that structure of how it needs to look on the page and looking at space and I seem to be able to do that relatively well so it wasn't about proving anything by the time I started doing that it was just about oh wow I actually get to do this oh. you know it was a, it was just a, a happy thing um and you know I'd much rather do this than go and um I don't know do do something else like you know clean up clean up the coffee machine or something like that yeah. <laughs> I can totally yeah. see that you have like joy from this because your face just lit up and it's like yeah, you have yeah. but you know it is interesting that um you ask about art because I remember going to an art course one time and it was my first time ever to go to a painting class and so I did not know anything about the layering that goes into painting and I just started to paint a tree and this art teacher came over and he said no 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 no, you don't do that and he rubbed out he actually got it and he started painting over what I painted and yeah and I just I never went back oh, because that's... I thought how can you do that to somebody like that teach feels me like yeah that feels like I don't know, stealing something what is you or just, I don't know. It's like everybody's doing yeah. it their own way, I guess. Like that's how you... It kind of stole the joy. Like, you know, I know I wasn't doing it technically right. And I'd only come to this class as a one-off anyway. So it was, you know, I was, I had missed a lot of classes. It was just happened to be there on this time. Um so I was actually, you know, in that moment of joy of just getting the paintbrush and painting and dabbing paint here and there and just going, oh, this is fun, you know, and, you know, having that smile on my face and then to have someone come and just, you know, tear it to shreds essentially and say, this is, this is terrible. Um, I don't think I picked up a paintbrush for years and years and years after that. Just, yeah, just like I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hmm. It's, so it's one day, one day I'll go back to an art class. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Uh, yeah, like I don't know much about that, but I would 
imagine if I would go as well, I would just like start like, okay, let's do this. And yeah, yeah. I wouldn't think like, oh, what should I start with first? Or I don't know. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's, I mean, it wasn't like he actually said, right, everybody, mm. you know, start by drawing a circle and then draw a rectangle underneath to be the trunk. And then what we'll do is we'll start doing this and we'll add like a base shade or anything like things I know now, but at mm. that time I didn't know anything mm. like that. And I was just happy in that moment of creating and I think it's sad that we can so easily um we can so easily harm somebody's creative journey or emotional journey just with words or just with something like that and it can set you back for a really long time can't it you know you can be so excited and then say that's it I'm never doing that again so yeah. yeah like words can be used as weapons as yeah, well exactly yeah yeah it's it's amazing yeah. what what we can do with words like both good and bad um, yeah yeah and what do you remember you remember the negative don't you yeah like those experiences are the ones that shape you more strongly than the positive ones in life yeah and it's so interesting and I was reading about it and we were in even in the coaching course we were talking about it that our brain has this negative bias so uh we tend to remember the negatives and the positive less that's why they recommend you like the gratitude journal to remind yourself that actually there are good things happening Mm. yeah that's right and you have to be quite intentional about it sometimes yeah and conscious like okay now i i this is evening. Let's see what good things happen to me today, for yeah, example. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Sometimes for me, helps as well when I check my um, um, gallery in my phone and I check photos of my holidays or videos of my holidays. Yeah. And I just remind myself that, oh, yeah, this, this can happen as well. So it's not yeah, everything right. about struggling or like big changes but there are all these good things as well and I already accomplished so much yeah yeah that's right just remember that and and I think I I do think it's 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 one of those things in life that you you have to keep on doing you can't just say okay I'm today I'm going to be positive from this day onwards and I'll always be grateful for things it's really intentional and you you have to keep choosing to be that way and I don't mean toxic positivity because that's a whole a whole different conversation but it's just about looking at the things that you do have and the good things that are in your life or the things that you have experienced Um, or it might just be my cat who is now sitting on the desk um, you know wanting attention you know and how cute is that (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we mentioned as well that many times we tend to like forget who we are even though like if we start to think about it we know but we just kind of don't have time to express that self Mm. sometimes yeah or kind of bad things are happening and we are out of alignment and we kind of have to start the whole thing again and Mm. rediscover who we are yeah 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 Listen, I don't want to hold you up. And do you have any nice plans for the weekend? 
I am going to make a risotto for dinner Lovely. and we are having a feast for freedom on the weekend and that is a um a feast that I'm cooking for family who are coming over and it's to raise awareness of um issues around asylum seekers mm. so yeah so and and to raise money for for asylum seekers in Australia mm. yeah. That's can you tell a little bit more about it actually like... um so there's there's a place called the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, which is in Melbourne, Australia, and they help a lot of, of people who have come seeking asylum to um, get the appropriate visas if they need to. Um, and that's that's a that's a, a very complicated situation, and there's a lot more we could talk about there. But I I suppose I have a, a lot of empathy for people who are in those situations and so I I feel like it's something I want to care about and to to help with in my own way and so each year this this I suppose this event happens which is mm -hmm. called Feast for Freedom mm -hmm. and people are encouraged to host feasts at workplaces or at home um, you know with friends or family and to have conversations around the table while you're eating food and we get recipes that are provide, provided to us by asylum seekers in Australia and so we can choose from those or we can cook our own and it just leads to these amazing conversations with with the people who come along um, where they share their experiences or they share you know what they think about this about the situation as it stands now and what what they think could be improved um it's just a really good talking and awareness raising you know event i suppose and because it involves food <laughs> it's even better so, <laughs> yeah yeah oh, i so love then that we raise money we, we raise money and then donate that to the the resource center mm, that sounds really good and do you yes. do many other like kind of charity things as well? Um, that's the main one. And I did one called Act for Peace a few years ago as well, which is a similar kind of thing. But in that one, I ate for a week. I had to eat the same rations that um, a person would eat in a like a tent, a tent camp, yeah. um, a refugee camp. And... So that was really hard. You you got sent a small box of rations, like a little bit of rice. You could only have a certain amount of protein, and you you picked one protein and had to last for you know those days. Um, and then you just yeah ate very very plainly for that time, and that was something that I wanted to do as well to I guess educate myself mm -hmm. and you know just to to learn a little more about what life is really like for people who have to flee their homes. Mm. Um, you know, my family came to Australia from Germany after the war. Um, both sides of my family did, and they had some difficult experiences when they came to Australia. And, um, you know, they, they have built lives here now. Um, so I, I guess there is that, interest that comes from my own family background as well 
but I also know that the situations that are facing refugees now are just they're just horrific you know and we're just so so lucky yeah mm. that's that's amazing mm. actually have these mm. um like doing this can change you forever and have you think about things as well and have you mm. see even your own food sometimes yeah exactly you just you feel more grateful for the food that you have and just be be thankful and you know it's like you can just say thanks to to whoever or just just be generally grateful i have this food yeah. you know it's so much more than some other people have mm -hmm. and yeah never forget that and you know it doesn't fix the situation but I think that it's good to remember how privileged we are mm. at times and yeah never take it for granted yeah exactly yeah thank you so much Monique for being here again and good luck with the feast yes thank you all uh, raise lots of uh, money and you can help all these people yeah and i talk to you soon hopefully and yeah. we keep in touch yes we will thank you for having me thank you